G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're going to turn our attention to higher education and nation building with a special guest who says universities have become a source of darkness. Our absolute privilege today to welcome Dr. Vishal Mangalwadi, the international renowned Indian philosopher, described as Christianity's most able global thinker. He's a prolific author who champions evidence that the modern world is inconceivable without the Bible. He argues that the Bible empowered ordinary people who challenged the might of great empires and turned tiny nations into economic superpowers. It delivered tribes and cultures from superstition and gave them the courage and confidence to reshape the world. At the root of this revolution is the acknowledgement of God's revelation as the only reliable guide to build our lives and our nations on. Dr. Vishal Mangalwadi is an Indian philosopher and social reformer. He leads the Revelation Movement. He's a champion of what is known as the Third Education Revolution. And he is visiting Australia and today we'll be talking to him from Sydney. Vishal Mangalwadi, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. I enjoyed being with you earlier and I'm honoured to be speaking to your audience. Vishal, what's the prime reason that you are here on our shores? Uh, uh, Give us some insight into your visit. Uh, The main reason for coming here is that the Australian government is welcoming Indians in a big way in the next two, three years, uh, up to 300,000 skilled Educated Indians will be migrating to Australia as workers and as students, and um, they will be obviously bringing uh, many of them their uh, religion, Hinduism, uh, including nature worship, idol worship, and uh, I have been invited to help uh, the Anglican Diocese in uh, Sydney to understand contemporary Hinduism and uh, to understand them in order to bless them and share the gospel with them. So we had one seminar yesterday, uh, one event uh, last evening, uh, day before Saturday and Sunday, and then I have uh, meetings every day this week. Now, hundreds of thousands of Indian students will be back on our shores and they'll be studying in our universities and, as you say, they'll bring with them their Hindu faith. I wonder what it is. Is there some way in a nutshell we can say to listeners today that when you have some interaction with some Indian students, how the best way might be to talk about their faith and talk about the claims of Christ? Is there is there something that you can easily share that we can take away from this conversation? 
Yes. One thing is to understand that Hollywood and the development in Western philosophy have reinforced Hinduism, Hindu worldview, in a very big way. Uh, last month, this month, uh, two Hollywood films were released in India, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is a boring film from the point of view of entertainment, but it uh, earned more than uh, two and a half times what Barbie earned because Oppenheimer is making uh, Hindus very proud of Hinduism that a physicist of the stature of Robert Oppenheimer would turn to Bhagavad Gita, a Hindu scripture, to resolve his inner moral tension. Oppenheimer was haunted in nightmare on the question whether his atom bomb was starting a chain reaction that would destroy the world. And the, this was the same uh, moral problem that a warrior, Arjuna, uh, was facing on a battlefield that he's fighting for the sake of five little villages. Should he be killing his uncles and his teachers and his cousins uh, for the sake of five simple villages? And Arjuna, the teacher, uh, incarnation of Vishnu, who is giving him a discourse that is called Gita, says to him that, yes, he must destroy, he must kill, because actually God, he himself is the destroyer. He is death. God is death. God is destruction. Therefore, it is not up to Arjuna to uh, be bothered with individual moral conscience, he must do his task of duty. He's born in a warrior family, so he must do his duty and kill. So that is what gives, brings peace to uh, Oppenheimer. And uh, the fact that uh, Oppenheimer was study Sanskrit in order to read Bhagavad Gita in the original uh, it makes Hindus very proud. And of course, Oppenheimer movie is just uh, the latest um, uh, reinforcement of Hinduism by Hollywood. Uh, Avatar, James Cameron, uh, has been uh, is the director of the two movies that have come up, uh, Avatar 1 and Avatar 2. He is teaching uh, nature worship. Avatar essence is that we should, uh, the evil is American industrial capitalism. That is the arch villain in the world today. Uh, and returning to nature worship uh, is uh, the salvation for the earth and salvation for the individual. In Avatar 2, uh, 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 James Cameron introduces the concept of reincarnation. Uh, a soul is reincarnated. Uh, the uh, film does not explain reincarnation, but affirms it, teaches it, makes, makes it attractive. And I'm expecting that the third uh, in the series, Avatar, would actually defend and explain uh, reincarnation. So uh, Hinduism is being reinforced in a big way. And most people do not understand the, that LGBTQ revolution is actually a philosophical triumph of Hinduism. Um, that uh, essence of the philosophical Hinduism is that all reality is one. 
what um, Carl Jung, the Swiss uh, psychologist, philosopher, called uh, uh, universal uh, consciousness, unconsciousness. There is one uh, universal consciousness, infinite consciousness, Brahma, which permeates everyone, everything. Uh, All of us are God. Uh, We don't know. We experience ourselves as finite, as male or as female. So Christian marriage is an affirmation of our finite. Let me yeah. just let me just bring into uh, this for listeners. When you're describing, you know, Hindu students are coming to Australia. They'll be here on mass. A return of Indian students to our universities, and of course, we welcome them with uh, open arms. But they're bringing with them uh, their religious background and the things that have shaped them. It might be a challenge or it might be something certainly controversial for listeners to hear that as you reflect on the Hindu gods, uh, a god of destruction as something that contrasts to the god of the Bible. And uh, when we talk about the god of the Bible, we're talking about the god of love. How do you think that this is a very important thing for listeners to our conversation to understand when they're talking to people who are of Hindu faith or students who are coming, just to bring that contrast for where our biblical Christian faith sits in opposition to that. Uh, Thank thank you for uh, that question. My uh, uh, first main point uh, is very simple so far, that many of these, uh, uh, Hindus who are coming here, they're educated, they're upper caste, and they're, they become very self-confident, even if they don't understand Hinduism. Uh, they're very proud of being Hindus uh, because of what the intellectual developments in the West uh, and being so boldly proclaimed by Hollywood. So uh, uh, realizing that they look down upon Christianity a, because within India, in most of India, Christianity is a, ch- a church is constituted by converts from lower castes. So uh, becoming Christian for these upper caste educated Hindus is to go down the social ladder. And in Australia, uh, the university, the press, the entertainment industry, the politicians, they also look down upon Christianity as for intellectually inferior for the weak, uh, the educated elite don't believe Christianity. So reaching Hindus is, has become very difficult for the moment. Uh, this will collapse. Hinduism will collapse in India. Uh, but at the moment, uh, the, uh, the average Hindu that you will be meeting would be very proud. Uh, and therefore, you have to take the, uh, the, the time to understand them uh, by asking questions and by reading and listening to uh, broadcasts such as this, uh, that you begin to understand so that you can ask penetrating questions and take the false foundations upon which they are standing uh, to uh, create in them uh, a spirit of inquiry, spirit of humility uh, that yeah, uh, so that they might begin to seek truth. So uh, this is not about sharing four spiritual laws. This is about uh, 
entering into a uh, sincere conversation where by asking questions from the position of understanding, you demolish their self-confidence before they are ready uh, to seek uh, and to learn and to ask. So that's, that, that's my point. And we can take each of these points separately, uh, but um, uh, that uh, evangelism is not simply a matter of sharing. Now, in some cases, as they have uh, one very important point is that many of these students, particularly, since they are coming, uh, leaving their families, leaving their community, uh, one of the things they would be looking for is relationships and communities here in Australia. And we have to consciously overcome our individualism and not see them as lost souls, but as lost isolated, alienated uh, individuals who are looking for love, for family, for relationship. So much of the evangelistic effort or reaching out to them uh, would need to be welcoming them into our homes uh, and in our churches. So the families, a wife who knows nothing about Hinduism but is willing to uh, bake a cookie and uh, serve high tea. Uh, she's playing a very important role in uh, affirming the uh, and loving her neighbor. Uh, that that would be important. But as we, as the evangelist pastors, missionaries, and individual witnesses go deeper, they will. Uh, one thing that we'll need to do is demolish the self-confidence with which average Hindu will come here. Uh, that in fact Hollywood is darkness and uh, the uh, Australian universities are darkness. Uh, they are proud of their ignorance. They know that they don't know the truth, but their ridicule of the truth of the universe, uh, which is uh, the word of God, the revelation of God, um, uh, 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 yes. Intellectually, Christianity is a defeated religion in the West, including in Australia. Your press ridicules Christianity, your politicians and judges ridicule Christianity, and the Christianity is underdog, but that doesn't mean that the gospel is weak because uh, Rome crucified Jesus, uh, killed all the apostles. Christianity began as a persecuted minority religion which it is right now in India, and it's a ridiculed religion in Australia, but it is the truth. Ultimately, the gospel won uh, Jerusalem and Rome, and it will win. It is set to win India as well. And uh, for Christians to develop self-confidence that, in fact, the gospel is the truth. Our special guest is Dr. Vishal Mangalwadi, an Indian philosopher and social reformer. He leads the Revelation Movement. He's the champion of what's known as the Third Education Revolution. Vishal, if the universities are places of darkness, and if we are in a post-Christian age, where, as you say, governments are looking down on Christianity, Hollywood looks down on Christianity, and and when we talk about the university as the place that might even see the way that nations are shaped, 
How important is it for us to get a focus on what happens with universities and what the role the church might have in emerging from that darkness? Thoughts from you? Thank you. For a thousand years, the church has sent her young people to the university uh, because university was invented by the Roman Catholic Church in the city of Bolivia in Italy. The first university was a law university. The second university was in France in Montpellier, which began as a medical university. Both were started with the uh, authority of the Pope, and then the bishops and the popes began to uh, give that authority. Uh, in the 16th century, when the Protestant movement had to break away from the Roman Catholic Church, uh, then the authority to uh, start universities, charter university, shifted to the prince. These were Christian princes. Uh, they would, the state would give authority to the church. So when uh, 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 so, but th- these remain Christian institutions. The university was a institution, the educational ministry of the church. And uh, the church brought education to India. So William Carey, the first Baptist missionary, he began Sirampur University, but the uh, entire uh, educational revolution in India came through uh, the, the gospel, B- but now the gos- the university and education became the ministry of the state. It never used to be, but beginning in Europe in 1832 and beginning in America after 18 around 1850s, uh, the education was taken over by the state. The third education revolution will uh, compel the universities to send students to the local church every day, Monday to Friday. All the theory will be taught in a local church. Well, a church might have only 15 students, so it's a micro-university campus. But those 15 students will have 15,000 professors coming to the church every day online. And the students will, the poorest student will learn from the best teachers from around the world, but he would, he or she would be mentored by an academic pastor. The Paul says that as an apostle, he is a preacher and a teacher of truth to Gentiles. Church is anointed with the spirit of truth, baptized with the spirit of truth uh, to teach truth. Uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.15 that the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth uh, because, as he says in chapter 2, verse 4, that God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, Many Christians misread that text that God wants all men to be saved and go to heaven. But Paul is actually saying God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth because lack of knowledge, lack of understanding destroys nations. Hosea makes that point in Hosea 4. Vishal, let me ask you about how the third education revolution has begun 
and uh, just a couple of minutes out from news. Uh, but when we're talking about the church in like a post-Christian age, universities filled with darkness, you're saying there is a future for the church in education. This has already begun to take hold in some developing nations, I think especially in Africa. Um, have you got any sort of update how, how these things are now progressing, sure. where the church becomes like the university classroom? Yes, we began, I first wrote it out in 2009. 2010, we began in Indonesia. And 2015, in Minnesota, in America. And 2019, about 30,000 churches, one Pentecostal denomination, uh, decided, 240 of their leaders unanimously voted, that they want every single church of theirs, which could be a mud hut in thatched roof uh, in a jungle uh, to become a center of education. So the South Korean missionary movement, 130 mission organizations in South Korea, they've embraced the vision that in the coming years, they will turn a million churches into micro schools uh, that students will come to the church and teachers will come online Every church will have an academic pastor. Uh, Hopefully 10% of these micro-schools will become micro-universities, where university education, the theory, also happens in the church, and then the uh, practicals happen in uh, either labs or in uh, internship. Uh, Vishal, let me ask you, because we began to talk about a post-Christian world, and some of the things you were sharing might even uh, cause us to feel as though there is a defeatedness as the government, as Hollywood, as people are looking down on the church. They're not seeing the gospel message and the value of the Bible in the way that it was once seen. I wonder if you've got any thoughts here as you talk about the way this third education revolution has begun to take hold in so many nations around the world, what difference that can make in our post-Christian world, Australia. Uh, Give us your thoughts here on universities and on churches and what needs to be done to make a change. The first important difference that uh, third education revolution will make is to reintegrate truth and character in education. The uh, separation of education from the Word of God means that uh, education is pursuit of information and skills. It's not pursuit of truth, and it's not a pursuit of character. And as a result, in the 20th century, Germany, the most educated nation in Europe, which began the Protestant Reformation, became the arch-villain of the 20th century of uh, leading the world into two world wars. And this is now where America is headed uh, in becoming the arch villain of the 21st century as it turns away uh, intellectually from the word of God. Uh, And uh, so will the Protestant, because Protestantism built the greatest nation, uh, these nations are capable of great evil because they have the power to do evil. So the church can reform the nations by bringing truth back into education, bringing character back, 
but also using technology by turning every local church into center of education, giving to students the best information, the best knowledge, uh, making it available. The, the third education revolution is mobilizing professors and scholars from around the world to create history's first Christian encyclopedia uh, of all knowledge, and that encyclopedia will become the uh, base for uh, new curriculum so that uh, Christian scholars, uh, godly scholars will rewrite curriculum to give knowledge along with uh, truth and character. Vishal, lots of churches, and whether they be small country churches or big city mega churches, they've got facilities. Sometimes they're sitting uh, through the week. Uh, No one is using those facilities. Is what you're talking about today something that is so revolutionary that it can turn a local church into a university classroom? And does this age of technology actually enable that to happen? Is this something of an opportunity for Christians and the church? This is not something that uh, you roll over and give up, is it? Uh, This is an opportunity. Exactly. Our Bible schools should become universities with theology as the queen of all sciences, but they should partner with local churches instead of uh, investing in buildings. They should train academic pastors who are like homeschooling mothers or uh, they become church school mothers or church school, uh, church college fathers who are mentoring students in the local church in partnership with elders and deacons and mature Christians. So uh, the knowledge comes online, practical skills come through the community, and the church is involved in mentoring, discipling students, training leaders. Uh, So, uh, yes, every church building can be used seven days a week, uh, Monday to Friday for education, uh, where uh, young people who are writing poetry or creating films and dramas and music, they come and perform in the church and the community comes back to the church. But the church also uses this manpower for social service, instead of uh, emptying, empty partying, um, the young people who are being blessed by the church uh, should be devoted six to eight hours a week to go and serve the community, the needy in the community, even if it means driving an elderly lady uh, to her husband's uh, grave uh, and listening to her stories and uh, driving, but loving your neighbor as yourself helping another family, um, a new immigrant to learn English, learn driving, learn cooking, learn shopping. Uh, so the church will become a place where people can call the church secretary uh, that uh, my roof is leaking. I don't have the money to repair my roof. Uh, can you please send half a dozen young people to fix my roof or fix my garden or fix my gate or whatever? So the church will become also the center of community service where young people would begin to develop projects within the local community, but also overseas. And uh, so uh, this will be a wholesome character because church is not only helping people to seek truth, but also helping people to learn how to love their neighbor 
as themselves. So if education has been hijacked by the secular, so our universities are places of darkness, you can either just roll over and send your young people off to the university where they're exposed to that darkness, or you can do something revolutionary. I imagine that cost is an issue and and churches providing a university program can probably do that more cheaply than the university itself. Any thoughts here around the economics about what happens with this third education revolution? And that might be different in Australia than what it is in the developing world. Thoughts here about cost? Yes. Yes. Even if the Australian government is paying students so that it doesn't cost students and parents immediately, in the long run, it is a taxpayer's money and it has to be paid back. But if the university is not building extra classrooms or hiring more professors, because using technology, one professor can teach millions of people and one lecture that he gives in a day can be uh, heard 24 times in the day. Um, so uh, we cut down the cost, both of uh, teachers. Now, uh, teachers can be mentoring students instead of giving lectures because one gifted uh, teacher uh, supported with videographers, illustrators, musicians, uh, and others uh, can in fact be teaching millions of people. So in every way, the cost comes down, uh, whether individual is paying directly a fee as in America to go to undergraduate college in a private college would cost 30 to 40 to $50,000 a year. In many countries, the government pays that, uh, but eventually that money has to be paid. There is no free lunch. But this brings the cost of the best education. Uh, when, when I began this in UP in India, uh, uh, it was because a young man uh, was having real difficulty understanding math. Uh, he was a very good young man, but he couldn't understand math teacher. So I enrolled him in KhanAcademy.com, which was at that time the best math uh, program on the internet. And we didn't know that Bill Gates' daughter was taking the same course, and Bill Gates was funding um, KhanAcademy.com. So this slum boy who didn't have clothes to wear, he was class fellow of Bill Gates' daughter. Uh, that's the revolution where uh, you are being taught by the best teachers who are supported by the viewers. So every lesson is reviewed and improved by others and illustrated. So, uh, yes, it'll be cheap and it will be best education being made available to the poorest in the local church. And church gets to disciple those people and they then begin, church uh, uses their energy and creativity to serve the local community. It'll be cheap and, uh, as you say, uh, it's a real leveller there because the boy from the slums studying alongside uh, the daughter of one of the richest men in the world, uh, all accessing the best online courses and curriculum that is available. Now, it raises the question, Vishal, uh, will the education sector 
be opposed to churches becoming universities. Uh, Have you run into this issue uh, that might be happening at a government state level or at uh, university education levels? Uh, Is there opposition there? Yes, uh, and uh, opposition will be different in different countries, um, but um, uh, some of it will need to have political and legal fight and media fight. Uh, that uh, so we'll need Christian journalists and politicians and lawyers uh, to fight for this freedom for the church to take back education which it gave to the world. Um, uh, but uh, that fight, uh, relatively in most countries, will be minor. Uh, you won't have mobs coming and burning down churches in Australia as they are doing in India and will do in India and in Muslim countries. Uh, but this is not a new thing. When William, uh, 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 Martin Luther first proposed uh, that uh, every child should be trained to become a priest and king, because that's the purpose of the gospel, to uh, uh, purchase the slaves of Satan, to make them sons of God so that they might serve their father as his priest and manage his kingdom. Uh, he knew, Luther knew, that his fellow priests would kill those priests who are taking the power of the priest, giving it to the people. Because that was the second education revolution that Luther began in 1520. And he was proposing that if priesthood of all believers means that the power of the priest, the knowledge, should be taken and given to everyone. And he expected the church to uh, persecute those uh, pastors who want to implement the doctrine of priesthood of all believers, which was the reason for universal education to take off in Europe. Uh, So uh, at that point, the church was persecuting uh, uh, these other churches that would uh, educate everyone. But now the state, because education has become such a vested interest of uh, the teachers and teachers' unions, and the government, the Minister of Education, who is getting a lot of tax money to waste, uh, so they will oppose the churches who want to reintegrate uh, character and truth in education, make it affordable to everyone. So yes, opposition, persecution will be there, uh, and uh, but in a place like Australia, it will be much easier to resist and overcome that opposition than in some countries. So the first revolution was the church starting universities uh, with law and with medicine. Second revolution, Martin Luther, the Reformation, teaching godly principles to people and even undergoing uh, suffering persecution from the church. So the third education revolution in a time when the church appears to have lost control of truth being taught in the university, and this is where the turnaround has to happen. Can that direction be changed? What is your optimism here? Swimming against the tide, a counterculture that happens at the local church level. What is your optimism for this happening in even a nation like Australia? Well, uh, Australian church has the capacity to disciple Australia. The problem is with theology as it has changed 
It was in 1832, after Napoleon, after the French Revolution, after the uh, European Enlightenment, that the church in Europe began to surrender the Ministry of Education to the state. So uh, over these two centuries, uh, the uh, theology has changed, um, meaning of mission has changed. Uh, Jesus says, go and disciple nations. And that has been reduced to an individualistic salvation that go and save individual souls, um, not disciple nations. Uh, but this is a lot of philosophical underpinning and theology has changed. So Australian church has the capacity to disciple Australia. Australian church does not have the theology to disciple nations uh, and nations. So it will require a theological reformation of what exactly is the mission, what is a soul, what is a nation, does God really care for the nation, or does God care only for taking individual souls to their mansions in heaven? Um, did God really say to Abraham, you follow me, I will make you a great nation, I will bless all the nations through you, you will be a light to the nations, which continues through the Bible, the very last chapter of Revelation, Revelation 22.2, that the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. Does God care for the nation? Revelation 21, that in the light of the new Jerusalem, uh, kings of the nations will bring their wealth and nations will walk in its light. So uh, the, the theology of nation a theology of education, theology of ministry, that does God want all men to be saved and go to heaven, or does he want all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Is it faith that saves, or is it truth that liberates? So evangelical movement in the West has misunderstood the Protestant Reformation, sola fide, of faith alone. Um, because faith actually enslaves when it is put in stories and mythology. Truth liberates. Uh, so the, the, the theological reformation would be important. Uh, we would need to rethink um, the Christianity as it has degenerated in the West during the last 200 years. Truth liberates when it's put into storage, uh, look at because a nation is on a downward trajectory. Let me ask you something very practical here, Vishal. If you are thinking, well, we have a church, it could look like a classroom during the week. Uh, we have some academics in our church and they do have a Christian worldview to be able to apply and to be mentors and oversight for people who might be studying but which university disciplines can you effectively teach in a church setting? Is there something that you would say, this is the place to start? Uh, in, in India, we are starting with uh, a, a, a BA and, or an MA in applied theology and education, because every church will need uh, a... Um, an, an academic pastor who is a youth pastor, could be older person, but a youth pastor look, looking after the academic life of the student as a homeschooling parent does. 
Uh, but we also have a tremendous need in countries such as India for health, uh, ch- change in health care, because medicine also came, modern, modern medicine also came to India with the gospel. And so there will be a BSc in applied theology and health care. There will be another BSc in applied theology and agriculture, because India became uh, a food exporting country with green revolution at, at its back because of the Bible. It was William Carey who started the first agri-horticultural society in India, and Norman Burlock brought the green revolution to, uh, to India. So the whole of the transformation of agriculture in India. Uh, so, but in, in and we will also have law training because the. Indian law was written by Lord Macaulay, uh, a child of the Clapham sect in in England. Uh, So the the British common law, which shaped uh, Canadian law, uh, Australian law, and also Indian law, the whole jurisprudence, which has now become very corrupt in India, uh, came from the Bible. Uh, So we will be teaching law we will also be teaching civil servants because the modern civil service where a civil servant could be trusted uh, to uh, implement law impartially, uh, this was all the civil services were trained. Uh, civil service was a gift of the evangelical movement to India because God wants to bless the nations and that means that civil servants have to be servants of God. This was one of the products of the Reformation, where a civil servant uh, was de- dedicating himself to God to administer the civil affairs of the city uh, and the state. I, I can't go into the details, but all of this came to our countries through the gospel, which the corruption of theology in the West over the last 200 years, robbed us of all of this. So those are some of the courses we will begin in India. Uh, but, in fact, in, uh, the, at the heart of um, this third education revolution, the center of it is a virtual wisdom village, which an Australian company with a large uh, manpower within India, this Australian company called Rua Tech Solutions, they are building a wisdom village on, uh, along, on the banks of the River of Life. This is a virtual Jerusalem, lifeverse.com. On the banks is uh, on one side all the academic institutions, on the other side uh, islands. So creeks are coming out of the River of Life, creating islands. And the islands, the first island is study of cosmology, where every day we will be interpreting the latest photographs from James Webb Telescope and Hubble Telescope and all the speculations that is going on. So a number of islands, including an island which is creating an encyclopedia by uniting uh, scholars and professors from around the world. So this Wisdom Village will be the hub which goes to fill the earth with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. So the river of life flowing from the temple of God and knowledge, baptizing students with the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and counsel in order to fill the whole earth with the knowledge of God. So 
so this is not just uh, we're starting with courses uh, uh, to train academic pastors. Every homeschooling parent should become an academic pastor because he or she is pastoring her own children and hopefully neighbors' children. But uh, healthcare. So each country will have different curriculum um, and different uh, beginning. But eventually, the entire knowledge industry should become the handmaiden of the church because Jesus came to baptize the church with the spirit of truth, to make the church the pillar and foundation of the truth. So uh, we will have an island of church, uh, earth sciences, another island of hall of fame, where anything that is available in British Museum in physically will be available virtually uh, on uh, in Wisdom Village. Well, so uh, this is a comprehensive education revolution. It is a education revolution. It's called the Third Education Revolution, and and listeners uh, will have picked up there the priority: first train the academic pastors, and there are all sorts of offerings in curriculum along the lines of applied theology and education and training in law. There is an Australian operation that's working on all of this in a virtual space called Rua Tech Solutions. And for listeners, I know this is uh, one of those complicated conversations where a little bit of history helps to give real context. My encouragement for listeners is to find Vishal Mangalwadi on YouTube and look at the hundreds of in-depth conversations that you'll be able to find there and find out some more about uh, this man's wisdom as to the way that the Bible has shaped our world. Now, for listeners to connect with Dr. Vishal Mangalwadi, there is a Revelation Movement uh, website. It's revelationmovement.com, revelationmovement.com. You'll be able to Google the Third Education Revolution, perhaps for some inspiration. Uh, the Rua Tech uh, Organization, you can Google that to find some more details there. And my special encouragement, uh, uh, Vishal has written more than 20 books, and uh, some of my favorites, The Book That Made Your World, how the Bible created the soul of Western civilization, and uh, this one called This Book Changed Everything, the Bible's Amazing Impact on Our World. There's also a book about the third education revolution, Homeschool to Church College. I want to say a special thank you to Dr. Vishal Mangalwadi, making time to share these thoughts with listeners. Vishal, uh, enjoy your time in Australia, and uh, look forward to the next time we get to talk, but thank you for being with us on 2020. Thank you for having me. God bless Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.